Hey there, listeners. Welcome to This Humana Life, a podcast for all Humana associates. We have amazing stories to tell and learning experiences to offer. We also believe the best knowledge is knowledge that is shared. Throughout our podcast journey, you'll hear advice from thought leaders, gain insights into areas of expertise other than your own, and hear the inspiring stories of others. This production is made possible with the support of the Women's Network Resource Group and by the dedication of our core team. I'm Tara DeLucia. I'm Carmen Pantoja Evans. I'm Brittany LaMere. And this podcast is produced by Melissa Nichols. We're looking forward to hearing what topics are important to you. Join the conversation in our buzz group by visiting go forward slash THL. Also, make sure to text the acronym THL to 239-355 to have new episodes sent straight to your mobile Thursday morning. Thank you so much for being in the studio today, Deborah Clary. We're thankful we met you at the NRG Summit, and um, you're a dynamic speaker and presenter. And we were, I was writing notes like crazy the whole time, but please tell us um, what you do here at Humana. So I have a very interesting role in the sense that I work with the executive team. And I like to um, describe it as I'm solely responsible for the return on their time. So our ROT, if you will. Uh, So I help manage their routines and cadence. I help them with their um, monthly meet weeks in terms of the strategic items that go on the agenda and then facilitating those to ensure that we get to decision and we get a good return on time. So how long have you been with Humana? I've been with Humana for 15 years. Oh, oh wow. So uh, with that, people usually kind of move around within Humana. Can you describe some of your past roles that you've had here? Yeah, so maybe I'll start with even a, a, a broader background in that um, I started my career at Frito-Lay. Uh, right out of um, right out of business school, um, and really the first person in my family to ever graduate from college, my first job was driving a route truck for Frito-Lay. And I drove in the city of Detroit delivering potato chips. And I, so when you hear people started at the bottom, I I started, (laughs) I definitely started at the the bottom. But I really learned the value of hard work and learning the business from an operational perspective all the way up. So I actually spent 10 years at Frito-Lay in various sales and operating type roles. And then I spent a decade there. And then I spent a decade at another very large company called the Coca-Cola Company. And there I moved in from an operating role into a marketing role and began to um, learn a lot about global marketing and global account management. And then from that, I came to Louisville from Atlanta, Georgia, and worked for Brown Foreman, the makers of Jack Daniels, Mm. where I was their VP of strategy. So still in uh, operating and uh, strategic top roles and I got really curious about leadership and what made leaders great. I'd had an opportunity to work with two Fortune 50 companies with phenomenal leaders and then I went, went to work for a smaller family-owned business and I began to see the contrast in leadership and not that one was good or bad but they were different and I just became really fascinated with it. So I decided to go back and get a doctorate in leader development and organizational design and just really kind of figure out um, human behavior and what made people great and what made people successful and high achievers. And so when I was finishing that degree, uh, Humana was starting their Leadership Institute. 
and they said, would you like to come over and help us build this, given your business background, now given this academic background? And my first response was, no way. Uh, I don't know anything about healthcare, and they said, "Well, we're we're really interested in your, your yeah, your, you know, the competencies that you have to run a business, but your competencies in terms of and your passion for developing leaders and developing organizations." So I came over, and the first ten years I spent in the Leadership Institute where we were focused on the development of about the top 300 executives in the organization. And then uh, about that time, uh, Bruce Broussard joined the organization, he was president, then he became CEO. And one day he called and said, you know, I think that we're, we're, we're building a new team, we're building a new culture, and would you be willing to come on and just work with our team exclusively? So I've been doing that for the last five years. That's well, that, so much fun. That is amazing. It really is. And I can see why he wanted you to be part of the team that, I mean, we're going to get into the curiosity part of it, which I think is really cool. And But I can see where your energy just rolled into and he learned about it and just that's why he brought you to that side of it, I, I suspect. You recently became curious about curiosity. How did that start? So one day I was sitting in a meeting next to Bruce and he leaned over and he said do you think curiosity can be learned or is it just inherited you know is it a part of your DNA and I didn't know the answer to that and I said I'm gonna go find out and so um, this will tell you a little bit about my personality I actually took a vacation uh, the 4th of July and I took 10 books with me all on curiosity so I spent my whole vacation on a lake but just just entrenched in this this data on curiosity um, so you know after all of those hours of studying it the answer was yes curiosity is both innate but also it is something that can be learned curiosity is above all a state and not a trait so it's contagious so if you're around curious people, you're going to be more likely to be curious. If your parents were curious, you're more likely to be curious yourself. And so I came back to him and said, the answer is yes. And he said, okay, great. Um, and of course, you all know that curiosity is one of our cultural enablers. You know, that being curious is, is really important in terms of that mood elevator and to be able to create an environment where people are really inspired and sparked by one another um, to learn new things and to challenge things. So that's how my curiosity became around curiosity was by him asking me a simple question. So then what happened next is I'd gotten a call from uh, Susan Smith's organization and she says, we're having a, a large town hall in Houston. Would you like to come and speak? And I said, I would love to. And she said, you know, what would you like to speak about? I said, curiosity. Since I had just done all of this work and not knowing now that it's all in my head, how might I share this with other people? I'd already given it to, to Bruce with the simple, yes, it can be learned. And now I had this opportunity to, to build out the concepts and to, to put it into a form that people could, could learn more about it. So that's how it started. And then I think now I've done this to over 3,000 human associates in various uh, virtual sessions as well, well as uh, town hall sessions. So when, it, when you uh, come from curious, right, is what? Part of the mood elevator. That is correct. And so I get you brought the goods. They told you, he asked you to bring something to the table and you brought the goods. Yes. And is curiosity training a part of the culture evolution or is that like 
a training that you know somebody could go into the learning center and kind of look through? Well, I think there are some things that are close to it. Um, I don't know that it would be labeled curiosity. It might be, um, but my sense is it's that it it would probably be more around. Um, the power of asking questions Mm -hmm. because that is the center of all curiosity is you know either at an individual level you something sparks and you start asking yourself questions or you begin to start having a conversation with others in a very curious way so being able to ask good questions and being able to ask authentic open questions that allow either yourself to open up to go find the information or a colleague and or an associate that you're leading to to go find those that information out um, but I, my sense is, is that in addition to being able to find out how to ask good questions, there's also things on there I, I would suspect around um, knowing versus learning, you know, and, and as opposed to being a know-it-all, be it a learn-it-all and that type of stuff and how to have a, a mindset of curiosity. And didn't Bruce Broussard say, like, always be the rookie in the room? Yes. Yes. And a couple of years ago, we brought a woman in named uh, Liz Wiseman. She wrote the book Rookie Smart. And essentially what it was, based on all of her research with top executives, she found that the most successful executives are those that – um, are always learning and 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 um, are rookie about everything. So you think about it when you're first starting in an organization or you're first starting in a role, you ask a lot of questions. Um, but as you become an expert, you begin to ask less and less questions. And then you find yourself when others come to you and they have a question, you just give them the answer. Well, you're not really growing that associate or that colleague. Um, you're just simply giving them the, the the answer, and they go off and they go execute that. And when what you all experienced at the the curiosity workshop that I did is we did a whole section on asking questions mm-hmm. and being open minded, open and asking open ended questions, so that people feel really comfortable to to begin to share ideas. So, would you say that curiosity is a is key in an organization? Absolutely. I think it's the um, it's like a superpower. It is a superpower Um, because I also did some research. I told you when I spent the Fourth of July on the lake reading all these books, I came across um, really two studies, one out of London, which looked at children development, childhood development. And to get to get they asked the same question, can curiosity be learned or is it something that is innate? And what they found is that a two year old asked. 390 questions a day of their parents or their caregivers. That's about a little over one per minute. That's, you know, that is a lot of questions in a day. Um, and then they, they found out if the caregiver um, would answer the question or try to stay in conversation with that toddler, that child toddler was significantly different than other toddlers that were in, in, um, in a situation where their parents weren't helping them try to solve the the question. They were more um, academically successful, more um, emotionally stable, and more socially connected. So if you're around people like your parents or a colleague and they're encouraging you to ask questions and explore, you're going to be much more successful. And in the business world, we're going to get better outcomes of that. I think it's really cool when you say curiosity is a superpower. In fact, I have my notes right here from the other the other day. Nobody can see it, but I wrote I circled curiosity a superpower. Yes, because I I think that's so interesting. Um, I I have a group of of women that we call us 
we're the superheroes. We all we all have kryptonite. We also have uh, things that we are think we're driven by. And mine was determination. But I'm now changing it to curious because I do. And Brittany's the same way. We like to research. We like to find out things. We like to learn. Part of the reason why we're here today, we're sharing the knowledge with what we are, we're learning. And uh, so to hear that you say that's a superpower, it just it, it spoke volumes to me and so many others. Yeah, well, let me build on that because there was a study done by MIT, and this has been a long searching of many, many people back from the days of Socrates trying to determine what made people successful. And they actually, in the, in the academic world, they call it achievement. And so many, many people have tried to determine what what causes someone to be successful and someone not to be successful. And it's a three-legged stool. So the first is intellect, and not intellect in the sense of you have to be Einstein. You have to have an average intellect. You, know, you have to have the ability to read and comprehend. Um, but the second is conscientiousness, which is also determination, which is what you just said. And then the third is curiosity. Those three components make up someone's trajectory for achievement. What's the third one? Intellect, intellect, and you to have work on the intellect. No, part. no, you don't. You, if you're, if you're, Got a girl. if you're working in at Humana, you have at least average intellect, uh, or you wouldn't be here. And so you can almost say, okay, I'm going to check that box. Um, however, determination and curiosity are two things that can continuously be worked on. Mm-hmm. And if you have determination, you're you're going to stick with something to learn it. Um, because you have that passion too, and you're not going to give up. So don't don't take off your determination on your list, but okay, add add curiosity to it. I'll do it. And I also think that this I would have never imagined. Uh, I feel like I know you pretty well. Mm-hmm. I I think you're one of the most determined people I've ever met. Oh, um, and oh. so that is it's interesting what other people see. And I, I really feel like a lot of times um, with like moving about Humana in different roles that leaders really focus and seek out the skills and that they know that you can help learn an organization or a different business area. But if you have those skills to build upon and you keep curious to keep figuring things out, that Humana believes in growing their associates and really developing that that learning um, organization and helping to build that culture to where it's okay to ask questions, it's okay to learn, it's okay to speak up. Absolutely. And you, you hit on a really, really important point, and that is sometimes we forget about our natural talents. So you think about when both of you joined Humana, somebody saw something in you. There was some talent, some competency that allowed you to come to work for this great organization. And not everybody gets to come work here. Um, you know, they, they, they're they really careful about who comes here. Is it the right cultural fit? Do they have the talent? Do they have the right conscientiousness and determination? Let me just share a, a, a quick story with you on this in that when my daughter was in the, I guess it was about the eighth grade, she came to me and she said one Saturday morning, um, Mom, I really, really want to make the varsity basketball team. And I said, well, that's a really great, inspirational, aspirational role goal. I think that's really, really cool. I said, um, you know, what do you think your chances are? And she said, they're, they're not very good. I said, oh, come on, why do, you, why do you say that? You know, as mothers, you know, we believe in our children. And she says, well, you know, um, I don't know how to dribble very well, which was an accurate assessment. And she says, you know, and I'm not very fast which was also accurate. And she goes, and I don't know how to shoot. 
Now, you would think that, you know, speed, shooting, dribbling, those are all good characteristics of a basketball player. And she had accurately assessed herself. And I, I said, well, when, when are tryouts? Because I'm thinking we can get in the backyard. I can mm-hmm. teach her how to do those things. She says, Monday. Oh. Monday at 4. <laughs> Monday, Monday at 4. So I said, okay, mm. I want you to sit down. I go, tell me why you want to be on the varsity, ball, varsity basketball team now. Why now? I mean, you're just in the eighth grade. You've got lots of time to make that happen. And she got tears in her eyes. And she said, this would be the last year I could play with Megan, my sister, who was the senior. Mm. She goes, I want to play with her on this team. Mm. So now I'm inspired by her story. It's not about ego. It's not about getting a varsity letter. It's about this connection with her sister and playing with her sister. So we sat down and we took out a piece of paper and I said, all right, let's look at what you don't have. Dribble, she can't speed, she can't shoot. Those are true. But I said, what do you have? She goes, well, let me think about that. And I go, well, you you do play on the varsity volleyball team. And I said, when you get up over that net, you know what that's called? Jumping. You can jump. She goes, that's right. We write on the piece of paper, jumping. And I said, now, when you're up over that net and you have to place that ball on the court, you know what that's called? Eye-hand coordination. I said, you have that. We write it on the piece of paper. And I said, now, when you're in the back row and that ball's coming over the net and you have to get down and get that ball, you know what that's called? Hustle. You have hustle. Mm-hmm. We write that on there. And I said, now, those are good characteristics. Is there anything else that you have that could contribute to this team? She looks at the list and she said, no, I, I think that's a really, I think that's really good. And I said, no, take a breath. I want you to think about this. Is there anything else that you have to contribute? And as a teenager, she starts to get annoyed with me. She goes, that's a good list, mom. I think that's it. And I said, how about you're tall? Mm. See, the child was very tall. Mm. And ever since kindergarten, she complained about how tall she was. Now, how do you forget you're tall? Mm. This has been with you your whole life. You're your overlooking whole, it. Yeah. Absolutely. It's part of you. Yeah. Absolutely. And so we wrote that on the list. You are tall. And she happened to be, she was the tallest kid on the entire team. She mm-hmm. had forgotten about it. So to your point about we forget the talents that we have. We forget the passion. and um, Because sometimes we get just moving so fast. We forget how good we really are. And I, I really love that you also asked her, like, well, why? Because we've mentioned this, and it's kind of how our podcast came about. We started with why, which is like a Simon Sinek came up with this idea of the golden the golden circle approach. And we figured out our why and then reverse engineered from there as to how we can make things happen. So mm-hmm. I, I really like that story. It's a very applicable, honest, authentic kind of way that we can go about things sometimes. Yes, yes. Is there an opposite of curious? Incurious. Oh, tell us about incurious. So incurious just means that you're um, not at all interested in exploring and learning. Um, you're pretty much just running your life on what you already have acquired. So why do people become incurious? And, and that was the question I had. If we start off as small human beings asking 390 questions, and by the time you get to an adult, they say we only ask about four or five questions a day. Um, and that may be what time is it, you know, how do I get to the, the supermarket or whatever it might be, is that we become incurious because one, we become experts in our field. And guess what? We're rewarded for being experts. And if you're my doctor or you're my lawyer, I want you to be an expert in, in, your, in your field, right? Yeah. Um, the other thing is, is that um, we become too busy. 
um, uh, you know, that our life is already overscheduled. You look at your calendar every day. You don't have time potentially, at least in your mind, you think, I don't have time to ask questions because if I ask questions, it's going to slow things down. Um, so those are the two main reasons and why we become incurious. Now, um, in, in meetings, sometimes we don't ask questions because, um, A, we feel as though we may look stupid. Fear, yeah. Right, fear of, oh my gosh, I'm not sure I can a- ask this question. This is probably a stupid question. And how many times do you hear people say, I'm gonna ask a stupid question? And then you hear someone say, oh, there's, no, there's yeah. no stupid question, right? And that's in, in a sense, it's if you're, open, if you're asking a genuine question and you're really seeking to understand, mm-hmm. um, but we, we I mean, maybe we're fearful of our own, just our own self-esteem, um, or we may have been discouraged in the past not to ask questions, or we're afraid of, um, making someone else look bad by asking a question that they may not know. If you're creating a culture of curiosity and you're doing it with really being authentic and with an open heart, um, we we can create an environment where people speak up and ask those kind of questions because it's going to make us better. Hmm. Absolutely. And I, I love that you kind of brought up that, well, too, being too busy because that's something I've really worked to strike from my vocabulary because if it is important enough to me then I need to stop and make the time because I am not too busy to dedicate time to something that is important to me. So I don't, somebody asked me to do something, I'm not too busy because if it's important to me, I can either give them a yes or a no and if I have the time to dedicate truly to it. Mm-hmm. So just keep asking questions and. Obviously you love uh, curiosity and you're passionate about curiosity, but what else are you passionate about? Well, I'm uh, certainly I'm passionate about my family, mm. you know, and spending time. I have two daughters and I have uh, a granddaughter and then a set of twins. Mm. Uh, I'm really passionate about that, um, being able to spend time with them. And what they live in a different state, so it's not always easy. But I'm learning FaceTime is a great tool to, to connect with them. Um, my daughter's getting married next weekend. Oh. So, Congratulations. So really excited about that. So Here in Louisville? In, in Louisville, ah. yeah. So I'm really passionate about that. Um, I also um, am a film producer. Oh, How fun what? is that? Yeah. Fun fact. Oh. Fun fact. And uh, a group of friends and I, we produced a film in West Louisville, um, I guess it was about three years ago, called Beauty Mark. And uh, we were really passionate about this story. It's a true story uh, based on um, a woman growing up in West Louisville. It's not a happy story, but it's a true story about um, poverty, you know, people that are marginalized in our in our own communities. And so we brought people in from in L.A. and New York to act in it and to film it. And we really were hoping that at a minimum we would be able to get out awareness of the struggles that uh, that women have in, in our community, especially single, single mothers. Um, and um, what ended up happening is that this film took off. And it's award-winning film that we ended up selling to Amazon. Congratulations. And you can see it on Netflix. So I'm really passionate about my whole story about this. I'm really passionate about um, women and, and, you know, and really empowering women mm-hmm. and, and giving them a, a hand up versus a handout. Like um, so I'm also on um, several boards. One is the Family Scholar House here in Louisville, um, which is helping single mothers get college education. So we have campuses, we house them, uh, we help them uh, get into universities and, and graduate. Um, so breaking this cycle of poverty and giving them 
back an opportunity um, to change the trajectory of their life. Um, so that film just would just really punctuate what I'm really passionate about in terms of helping helping women. So if you get an opportunity, you can see it on Netflix. Better believe it's it. It's a very um, it's a very lovely story, um, but it's not easy to watch because mm. it's authentic. It's real. Yes, things that happen. And so, like, Bold Goal, could you just briefly share what Bold Goal means to you here at Humana? Because you're obviously very passionate about caring for others and helping to change their lives. And that's what Humana is trying to do. Yes. I mean, it's it's an extraordinary aspiration. The differences that we are making in communities is really extraordinary. You know, we recently uh, published the, the Bold Goal report in the movement. It's happening. I mean, there is significant shifts that are happening in these communities that we're involved in. And it speaks to if you can get multiple people, stakeholders in a community around a single goal, and that's about improving health, so much can happen. You know, and as humans just interacting with other humans, it's really powerful what we can do for each other. Absolutely. You told us about going to curiosity.com, yes. which I loaded. And then you know what I asked Alexa? Yeah. Make me smart? Make me yes. Smarter. And did she? Yes, she did. All and right. she's done it uh, three times now when I've asked her every time. It's amazing. It I didn't know amazing. that. It's amazing. So I do have a, a couple of books for you if people want to go even further than that. So one of the books is Curi- Curious. And the guy's name, the author is, let me say that again. So the one book I'd recommend is called Curious by Ian Leslie. And the other one is Leading with Questions by Dr. Michael Markward. And then the last one is Liz Wiseman, Rookie Smart. In addition to that, there are curiosity apps. And then uh, the Alexa, if you go home tonight and you ask Alexa to make me smart, she's going to give you some really interesting information. The other thing I, I, I am just in love with is this app called Elevate. And it's for the brain. And uh, so each day takes maybe 15 minutes, but you go through a series of math problems, uh, reading problems, grammar, spelling. Um, It is a way to keep your brain sharp, especially as we age. I absolutely love this app called Elevate. And we'll definitely include a, a link to all of these resources in our show notes. I mean, I definitely play Think Fast on my Fitbit every every day just to try and beat my uh, score from the last time. And I got my Fitbit from winning a jackpot at, in Go365. So here's a plug to keep active and to keep trucking along and getting those Go365 points. Yes. Well, we want to thank you so You're much welcome. for being my here pleasure. this afternoon. And that's it for this episode. You can share with us on buzz at go forward slash THL. And don't forget to subscribe by texting THL to 239-355. We want to thank you for spending time with us this week. We can use our guiding behaviors and speak up with candor to share our Humana stories through this podcast. Let's keep the conversation going together about this Humana life. Until next time, be intentional. Stay curious. And inspire others. 